Welcome back to the Rights and Liberties Podcast, where we are discussing the Federalist Papers. Today, we are talking about Federalist 29. We typically begin these podcasts with three big ideas drawn from the essay under discussion. Here are three big ideas from Federalist 29. Big Idea 1 focuses on ideas apparent in other of Hamilton's essays in the Federalist Papers. He perceived significant objections to standing armies, but appears to have thought the militias would not be as militarily effective as necessary. In Federalist 29, Hamilton's endorsement of a well-regulated militia looks like it addresses these objections, perhaps functioning as a kind of compromise position. Big idea two. Hamilton believed that the regulation of this well-regulated militia should happen at the national level. Big Idea 3 examines two emotions in Federalist 29 that are important in politics, jealousy and trust. So, with reference to Big Idea 1, Hamilton, in Federalist 29, endorsed the idea of a well-regulated militia. What I suggested at the beginning of this podcast, and this is more my reading of Hamilton than something Hamilton says explicitly, is that it seems as if Hamilton is trying to answer a question of this kind. What is the best kind of land-based military force for the USA? The puzzle here for Hamilton, at least as he described the options in the Federalist Papers, was that he did not see one good answer. The two main options he described were A, a permanent or standing army, and B, a militia. We have seen why this question about defense was a matter of controversy. Hamilton discussed reasons to believe that militias could not be the only answer for defense. Recall what he said in Federalist 25. However, Hamilton in Federalist 24 also addressed concerns about standing armies, even if he may not have fully shared those concerns. And let's remember that Hamilton wanted people to agree with him. In Federalist 29, it appears, to me at least, that the well-regulated militia serves as a kind of conceptual compromise between militias and standing armies. Militias were distinguished by their temporary or ad hoc character, the citizenry defending themselves as necessary and then returning to the plow or to the shop. Now, one of the challenges facing militias, on Hamilton's account, is that important qualities that make militaries work well are a function of consistent practice, quoting Hamilton here, quote, it requires no skill in the science of war to discern that uniformity in the organization and discipline of the militia would be attended with the most beneficial effects whenever they were called into service for the public defense, end quote. However, one major problem seemed apparent to Hamilton. These improvements, this uniformity and consistency, would not be scalable, quoting Hamilton here, quote, to oblige the great body of the yeomanry and of the other classes of the citizens to be under arms for the purpose of going through military exercises and evolutions, as often as might be necessary to acquire the degree of perfection which would entitle them to the character of a well-regulated militia, would be a real grievance to the people and a serious public inconvenience and loss, end quote. That is not to say that these people should be excluded necessarily just that with respect to the majority of potential militia members, the science of the government should be set somewhat lower. Quoting Hamilton here, quote, Little more can reasonably be aimed at with respect to the people at large than to have them properly armed and equipped, and in order to see that this not be neglected, 
that will be necessary to assemble them once or twice in the course of a year, end quote. But what should be done with the smaller body to which Hamilton referred, the well-regulated militia? Quoting Hamilton again on this, quote, But though the scheme of disciplining the whole nation must be abandoned as mischievous or impractical, Yet it is a matter of the utmost importance that a well-digested plan should, as soon as possible, be adopted for the proper establishment of the militia. The attention of the government ought particularly to be directed to the formation of a select corps of moderate extent upon such principles as will really fit them for service in case of need. By thus circumscribing the plan, it would be possible to have an excellent body of well-trained militia ready to take the field whenever the defense of the state shall require it, end quote. This well-trained militia might serve some of the same purposes as would a standing army. It might also serve as a hedge against the possibility of despotism accomplished through the use of, the sta of a standing army in the future, quoting Hamilton here, quote, This appears to me the only substitute can that can be devised for a standing army and the best possible security against it if it should exist, end quote. Big idea one is about Hamilton's articulation of the advantages of a well-regulated militia. Big idea two concerns an important question following on from that. If a well-regulated militia is to be created, who should regulate it? Hamilton thought that national standards would be best to regulate such a body. Quoting Hamilton, quote, this desirable uniformity can only be accomplished by confining the regulation of the militia to the direction of the national authority, end quote. Then, too, without respect to the question of what element of government should regulate the militia, he simply thought that national defense was a national matter, quoting Hamilton here, quote, If a well-regulated militia be the most natural defense of a, three, of a free country, it ought certainly to be under the regulation and at the disposal of that body which has constituted the guardian of the national security, end quote. A third reason for Hamilton's emphasis on the national authorities' control of the militia had to do with the alternatives to a well-regulated militia, quoting Hamilton once again here, quote, If standing armies are dangerous to liberty and efficacious power over the militia in, in the body to whose care protection of the state is committed, ought, as far as possible, to take away the inducement and the pretext to such unfriendly institutions. If the federal government can command the aid of the militia in those emergencies which call for the military arm in support of the civil magistrate, it can the better dispense with the employment of a different kind of force. If it cannot avail itself of the former, it will be obliged to recur to the latter, End quote. That's big idea, too. A well-regulated militia should be regulated by the national government. Big idea three is less directly about the argument that Hamilton offers than it is about his characterization of the emotions at stake in these questions. Quoting Hamilton here, quote, By a curious refinement upon the spirit of Republican jealousy, we are even taught to apprehend danger from the militia itself in the hands of the federal government. End quote. An important theme from earlier essays in the Federalist Papers reemerges here, that of trust, quoting Hamilton once again, quote, Where in the name of common sense are our fears to end if we may not trust our sons, our brothers, our neighbors, our fellow citizens? 
What shadow of danger can there be from men who are daily mingling with the rest of their countrymen and who participate with them in the same feelings, sentiments, habits, and interests? End quote. To borrow a phrase Hamilton used in a somewhat different context in Federals 26, confidence must be placed somewhere. Hamilton stressed the importance of state appointment of militia officers as a further hedge against danger, quoting Hamilton on this point. Quote, if it were possible seriously to indulge jealousy of the militia upon any conceivable establishment under the federal government, the circumstance of the officers being in the appointment of the states ought at once to extinguish it. End quote. Parts of the arguments he opposed seemed to rest on far-fetched claims as he saw them. But these claims were not always so extraordinary as might be supposed. After describing a range of examples expressing opposition to the use of the militia of one state in another faraway state, Hamilton reminded his readers that the American Revolution had seen such uses of militia, and asserted that this fact was, in some sense, itself a reason for the existence of the USA. Quoting Hamilton here, quote, In times of insurrection or invasion, it would be natural and proper that the militia of a neighboring state should be marched into another, to resist a common enemy, or to guard the republic against the violence of faction or sedition. This was frequently the case in respect to the first object in the course of the late war, and this mutual succor is, indeed, a principal end of our political association." End quote. We often end these podcasts by reflecting on the relevance of the essay in question for politics today and tomorrow. Hamilton in Federalist 29 endorsed the idea of a well-regulated militia. Though he didn't know it at the time, that phrase would come to be used in the Second Amendment of the Bill of Rights. There are significant ongoing arguments over the Second Amendment, focused in part on its wording. We have seen that the phrase well-regulated militia is not original to the Second Amendment. Indeed, it isn't original to Hamilton and Federalist 29 either. The phrase can be found in other late 18th century American documents, the Virginia Declaration of Rights being one famous example. One thing we know is that phrases used historically often vary in definition to some degree from one example to another. What we can say, based on what Hamilton described here, is that he thought a well-regulated militia would be regulated according to a national standard. Thank you for listening to the Rights and Liberties Podcast. For more about the Sunwater Institute, please visit us at sunwater.org.